Welcome to Growing Up Skywalker. My name is Anna. And I'm Sam. And we're doing season six of The Clone Wars today, baby. <laughs> we finally made it. We are covering The Clone Wars season six, episodes one and two, The Unknown and Conspiracy. Yes, very interesting turns of the arc. Turns of the whole thing as this comes into play. Oh, how the arc so we start with the unknown fortune cookie the truth about yourself is always the hardest to accept thank you dr freud (laughs) dr feloni yeah i appreciate that not at all okay plot this is an episode about secrets anakin minus ahsoka given the events of season five of the clone wars is trying to get the upper hand during a battle on Ringovinda. Which is a ring world around a planet. You don't say. We've never been there before. Don't know why it's strategically important. It is not at all important to what happens in this episode. Anakin's backup, because he no longer has Ahsoka, are the twin sister Jedi Masters, Tiplar and Tipli. And they have kind of angelfish tendrils on their heads. They are very gorgeous and very cool and very good at their jobs. Turns out they're fighting against Admiral Trench, who I thought we murdered in the first chronological episode of The Clone Wars. I think they took out four of his arms, which means he only has four arms left. He has four bionic arms and one bionic pincer, and he creepily strokes the organic pincer. Mm-hmm. It he also has gross. a bionic eye now. So he does. Only yes. six, five remaining natural eyes. So he is feeling fun and funky bionic fresh. <laughs> there is an amazing scene of the Jedi and their clone troopers pushing their way into the communications center. They regroup. They prepare for phase two of the battle. But the clone trooper Top, who we remember from the Umbara arc, he's the hot one with a man bun. He is feeling really wonky. He's also got a teardrop tattoo under his eye, which is a little interesting. But yeah. So Fives is like, come on, pull it together. He's like, I don't know. I just don't feel like myself. They're all pressing forward. They're trying to take the command center. And Top keeps hitting his head. He can't take his eyes off of Tiplar. He gets into this fugue state and he stares at her as she's battling. And he finally mutters, Good soldiers follow orders. And he walks up to her. She turns her head. She looks at him and he shoots her in the head. Yep. They were so close to breaking into the command center. And this totally breaks their momentum. All of the Republic forces have to retreat. Fives tackles top. He takes charge of him back in their little retreat command center. Everyone gathers around top and he starts seizing and he's saying good soldiers follow orders over and over and over again and then his eyes focus on tipley who's the twin sister mm-hmm. of tiplar and he says kill the jedi yeah so he goes after tipley she holds him off with the force anakin reminds her that they need to get top to a medical bay to figure out what's going on mm-hmm. meanwhile admiral trench has been watching all of this on video he calls dooku and he tells dooku everything. And Dooku takes it straight to Darth Sidious. Mm -hmm. And this is the first inkling we get of the Sith's grand plan. Dooku and Sidious 
have this conversation that reveals to us that they are worried that Tup might have revealed the secret programming that the Sith put inside the clones, and it's too early for their grand plan to be unveiled. Yeah. So they need to grab Tup to figure out what's going on, figure out if this was an isolated incident. So they intercept the medical shuttle that's trying to take Tup back to Kamino. It's a crazy interception scene because they're flying a shuttle with full of clones and Tup in a gurney and four fighters, ARC-170s, are flying alongside when out of space appears a droid fighter and a bunch of rocket troopers. The troopers like climb on and are shooting through the cockpit. They slice their way into ship, into the ship. They send in the buzz droids. And they get there and they kill everyone and then they chop Tup free. Yeah, they load him into a padded coffin, basically, Mm -hmm. and they bring him back to Trench, who immediately ASAP has him shipped off to Dooku. Because Trench is the one Separatist general who is good at his job. He is very good at his job. So was Martuk, but we haven't seen Martuk in a while. Yeah. Anakin is not willing to let Tup go that easy. This is one of his men. Mm -hmm. So he grabs Rex and Fives, and they sneak up to Trench's hangar, as Trench is having Tup loaded into the frigate, the droids are like loading Tup onto the shuttle and it's passing over their heads and Fives and Rex shoot their grappling guns and suction cup onto the hull and like arm over arm pull themselves up onto the ship. They cut their way through all of the droids on the ship. It is a very fast, very intense battle scene. And they finally get Tup back onto a Republic medical frigate mm-hmm. headed to Camino. It is not a moment too soon. He is dying. And Fives asks permission to go along with him because Tup is his best friend. And I love male friendship so much. And Anakin says, good luck, boys. And they fly off to help their friend. That leads us right into season six, episode two, Conspiracy, the wise benefit from a second opinion. Tell me why this feels like Yoda slander. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, Rex and Fives are bringing Tup to Kamino and they see when they get there, they meet Shakti and Shakti's like, oh, hey, what's up, Fives? And he's like, oh my gosh, (laughs) you remember me. You were so nice to be back in season three. (laughs) And they get separated out and immediately start performing a bunch of tests on Tup. Fives is in the next room over and they're doing these hyper tests on Tup where they hit him with stimulants and test everything simultaneously. Fives is like crazed about this because it looks really painful, these hyper tests. And they can't figure out anything that's going wrong. The Kaminoan doctor, Nala Say, is like, yeah, there's there's nothing here, but let's uh let's put him down and do an autopsy and figure it out. Yeah, Shakti and Nalase get into a a tiff over Mm -hmm. who has the right to make the decisions of what to do next. Yeah, so they go their separate ways. Nalase goes to the Prime Minister, Lama Su, and Shakti goes to the Jedi Council. Meanwhile, the droid who's been listening on in on everything, AZ34521. A very large prime number. Yeah. Is it prime? I don't know. (laughs) I didn't do the math. (laughs) I hope not. Calculating prime numbers is actually hard. Anyway, uh, AZ says, what about a level five brain scan? We've only done a level one and two brain scan. But Nalase really shoots that down. As soon as Nalase goes to Lamasu, they phone Lord Tyrannus, who says, 
This is a Jedi secret put in place by Jedi Master Sifo Dyas, who is the one who originally asked for the clones 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Only we know about it, and we need to keep that secret. Because it's a tool to, to contain rogue Jedi. Right, because if any old Jedi could, you know, manipulate the clones, that'd be a real problem. You're forgetting the bit where Nala Se walks into Lama Su's office and straight up says, Order 66 has been executed too early. Right, which is definitely a call forward to episode three. Yes. So Fives convinces AZ, while no one's watching, to actually do this brain scan. He logic puzzles his way through AZ's programming. He's like, I thought saving the patient's life was your highest order. And AZ is like, you are not wrong. So AZ cuts through the window. They go and they perform the brain scan and they pull out what's inside, a tumor or something in this very small area of the brain. And Fives wants to bring it to Shock T, but right then Nalase walks in, the doctor, and right behind her is Shock T with a bunch of clones. Tup is sitting there on the table and says, the dreams of the endless mission, the one that we all think about, it's ended. I'm free. And he dies. All the clones are looking at each other because they're like, oh, I have those dreams. And... Shock T says, well, now we need to take whatever you whatever sample you took and send it to the Jedi for examination with the Force. Because she's trying to create a more objective review mm-hmm. structure. So Nala Se and Shock T call Palpatine, mm-hmm. who gets his ultimate evil face on and says, yes, why don't you send it to the Republic Medical Facility on Coruscant, where presumably... It will disappear into the ether. Yep. And never be tested ever again. Because apparently we found what the actual problem was. And that is the first half of the conspiracy arc. That is the first two episodes of season six of The Clone Wars. Justice for season six. These episodes were gorgeous. So gorgeous. The the scene where... Fives and Anakin and Rex board the shuttle is so fun. But there are so many gorgeous things. Oh my gosh, my little heart went pitter-patter when we landed on Kamino and Conspiracy. It looks just like Attack of the Clones. It does. It's got this beautiful storm system, continual storms. They only have the outside for a little bit of the continual rainstorms, but it's absolutely beautiful. These episodes had great action, beautiful animation, phenomenal setup for episode three. I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. Why did they cancel season six? Well, season six was originally pulled together from the episode's that were meant to be part of season six. It was season five that was canceled. And these were the oh, last missions, okay, okay. which were later put together into season six. So this was all kind of part of the plan from the get-go. So do you think these episodes were in the works before the team found out that season five was yeah. being canceled? Yeah. Okay, because I was almost headcanoning that everyone put a little bit of special extra sauce into these as if to say... Ha ha, look how great of a job we did and you canceled our show. If I recall correctly, there was an additional delay. Uh, it's not like it was just one, the next season was season six, not a different network. There might have been a year, in which case 
at this time in the 20 teens, animation technology was rising stratospheric, like rising exponentially. Yeah. So these were these released on Netflix, I believe, in March 2014. Okay. So that is the next season from what we previously watched. But what's interesting is that this is the first that anyone ever talked about there being a chip responsible for Order 66. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about this because I thought from the very beginning of these episodes that Nala Say was being very sus. Mm-hmm. And I was totally right. Yeah. She walks into Lama Su's office, says, Order 66 has been executed too early. Yeah. Oh my God, we need to terminate the clone and figure out how the inhibitor chip was activated Call Lord Tyrannus. Mm-hmm. Those are the most damning sentences we've heard in the Clone Wars. So there's two things there. One of them is the story of Sifo-Dyas. Yes. Okay. Let's yeah. Let's, let's let's talk about that. It's been so long since we heard that name. I know. It's from episode two. Yes. Right. So ten years before the events of the movies, Sifo-Dyas creates a clone army. He has a premonition. He has, well, he realizes, does he? oh. Well, does he? So we don't know. We don't know anything, but it's very suspicious because as soon as that information comes to light, we're like, okay, who's the clone progenitor? It's Jango Fett. What's Jango Fett been up to? He's working for Count Dooku. Oh, that's really weird. And the cl- the Jedi Council chalked that up to happenstance. Like he's just a bounty hunter. He'll move back and forth. Also, Mace aced him. So he's Jango Fett's no longer a part of the equation. But it is so strange that Tyrannus Dooku was involved with the Sifo-Dyas story from the get-go. So you're saying, this is blowing my brain, you're saying that the entire Sifo-Dyas had a premonition that the Republic was going to need an army and commissioned a clone army from the Kaminoan government was a plant from the Sith? It might have been. What? So there's still a little bit more to explore, obviously, the rest of this arc, but uh, on what Sifo-Dyas' role is, why these clones were created for this moment. But as we saw in the Maul arc, when at the very beginning, uh, when he's spider-like Maul, he says, the Clone Wars started without me. He knew that that was part of the plan oh from the get-go. Oh my god, you're totally right. I have missed all of this subtext. But what's intriguing is that this is the first time we've heard about these inhibitor chips. And yeah, and we, and we hear quite a bit about them. We do. So this was controversial to the fan base because it makes sense from one point of view to say, well, of course, if you just tell the clone soldiers, execute Order 66, the Jedi have turned on them. That's not completely unheard of. And that's where a lot of my research for this episode went into, such as the purge of the army during World War II, the purge of the Red Army, uh, the terror during the French Revolution, brainwashing research arising from the Korean War and Vietnam War. There's lots of ideas of perhaps our leaders are untrustworthy and we need to do something to overthrow them. But it doesn't happen a lot in a hierarchical military structure. And it doesn't happen with people who... You're close to so much like saying execute order 66 and in the middle of a battle, someone will go up and execute their commanding officer is unheard of. So the idea that these clones who in the movies are nameless and faceless and identical, but in the TV series, we learn have names and faces. And it's very much emphasized in this episode. AZ says clone CT 
five eight three five or whatever Tup's number is is doing is his condition is deteriorating, and five says his name is Tup. Mm-hmm. And then there's a funny back and forth because Az says, "Well, your name is Fives. Fives is a number. That's not a name." And Fives is like, "You don't get it, you stupid robot." But the idea that how these clones who are individuals with individual thoughts can just turn on their Jedi leaders when they recognize that the commanders are doing the right thing all the time was where the change had to be made. So this is where I had a lot of thoughts and feelings, and this is like the meat of Mm -hmm. the discussion for these episodes for me is around Order 66, right? So listeners of this show will know, I did watch Revenge of the Sith. Mm -hmm. I did not remember Order 66. I basically got spoiled from social media. So if we lived in a perfect world, I would not know what was happening next. I would not have seen Revenge of the Sith. So what does this look like if, if you don't know what's going on? We would now know that there is an Order 66, a protocol connected to the clones, Mm -hmm. which overrides the way that their neurons transmit in their brains. Mm -hmm. It overrides their rationality, their personalities, their instincts, and it forces them into a fugue state to kill Jedi. Yeah. So this is, on the one hand, perfect setup for episode three. But one of the big questions I had Does it spoil episode three or is it really needed groundwork? And I wanted to ask you, Sam, because you're Mm -hmm. the veteran fan. So, and that's the point I was trying to get to. If you just watch the movies, you don't need that groundwork because you're like clone troopers. They've spent 10 years in a tank. You tell them to execute order 55. They do one thing. You tell them to execute order 79. They do something different. You tell them to execute order 66. They do that thing. But as part of the Clone Wars, as part of making clones more than nameless, faceless stormtroopers, making them individuals and having this whole clone-centric arc, as well as later on the Bad Batch, a clone-centric TV series, how you can organize, how you can square that circle of having someone who is capable of independent action, but also can just immediately turn on their superiors and have this stunning betrayal of trust in a military commander, this does bear further investigation. Mm -hmm. And in a way, it's this really artful artistic device of threading this thing where if you are someone who just watches the movies, then the story makes sense the way it does. And if you're someone who watches The Clone Wars, you get to this point and you're like, ah, now it all makes sense. Yeah, because we've talked so much, especially on this podcast, about how The Clone Wars, if the prequel trilogy is a burger, The Clone Mm -hmm. Wars is the lettuce, the tomato, the mayo, the pickles, the special sauce, Mm -hmm. the cheese, (laughs) everything that's not meat and bun is The Clone Wars, right? Yeah. But I guess my feeling was that one of the great frustrations of the Clone Wars for me is seeing and having perfect knowledge of things behind the scenes. Mm. And in this arc, we saw that Fives and AZ could have saved the Jedi Order. Yeah. And we know that they don't. (laughs) And we know that they don't. I mean, if we lived in a perfect world, I wouldn't know this. Yeah. But because social media, I do... And now I have to live with that. And it is hard to live with y'all, but. Yeah. 
That, I mean, it's just one of the problems of telling a story out of order. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I want to talk about Tup's last words, because I think Mm -hmm. they're really important Mm -hmm. to this thread of the conversation. Tup says, I'm free. And he's mumbling kind of incoherently. The mission, free. And then everyone's Mm -hmm. like, what is he saying? What is he saying? And he grabs fives and he says, you know the one, the mission, the one in our dreams that never ends. Brother, this is the end. Forget the mission. The nightmare, I'm free. Mm-hmm. And then the monitor flatlines and Tup dies. And my question for you, I have, a, I have my own answer. I want to know what you thought. What is the significance of those last words? The significance is related to the concept of how this indoctrination would go in. Even in the rarefied world of Star Wars technology, it seems difficult to implant something in someone's head that would make them do one specific thing utilizing a pretty good sense of agency. Mm -hmm. Uh, Killing a Jedi is not as simple as pressing a button. You know, it's Mm -hmm. an actual perform a combat action against the Jedi. Another thing is, uh, notably, Tup is aggressive as heck towards Tipli and Tiplar, but not Anakin. Yeah, I did notice that. And so there is a lot of information contained in there. That information is probably in there somewhere as a dream state. And maybe the clones do have to dream about that, about their missions, but there's some endless mission in there that they can never complete and never win. Because out of all the orders they have, you know, zero through a thousand, 66 is the one that they haven't done yet. And it's the one that never ends. And it's the one that's like most difficult and only will happen when the right words are uttered. So it's like this thing just out of grasp. I actually, I had a little headcanon about Top not locking on to Anakin as mm-hmm. when he says kill the Jedi and he skips right over Anakin. My headcanon was that Anakin is so always teetering on the precipice of Jedi and Sith that he he didn't even register as a Jedi. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> is about that too that. wild? Is that too crazy? I think that's ascribing much more understanding of the Jedi code to a clone than they might necessarily have. Because it should just be like, shoot all things with lightsabers. Like, that's that's pretty basic and would work, you know? Yeah. Here's what I thought Tup's last words were about. I I hear you. I just, I had a slightly Mm -hmm. different trail of thoughts. I think those last words were meant to show how much the inhibitor chips pervert the essential nature of the clones, their personalities, their beliefs, their spirits, their souls, right? When Fives gets the the tumor, the inhibitor chip out of Tup's head, he sets him free from this mission that is on a continuous loop, it seems, in Tup's head. So Fives is setting Tup free from this nightmare of not being able to be himself. Mm Mm-hmm. Because the inhibitor chip is cutting off the way that the clone's neurons communicate with each other. And that is how we form personalities, right? Yeah. In our brain. Yeah. Our brains talk to each other. Our brains talk inside of themselves. 
And neurons fire and synapses fire and we form personalities, right? We form loops of behavior and those become characteristic. And I was just thinking like that nightmare of a clone not being able to be themselves is taking away the fundamental freedom that you have as a clone, which is to develop a personality, which is to be distinct from other clones. When you're a clone, the only thing that can set you apart is to be authentic, to have a self. And Fives is by far the biggest advocate, the avatar of that ideal, because his debates with AZ saying Mm -hmm. no clone uses their number, everyone has a name. Well, and also the way that he got into AZ's programming and was able to Mm -hmm. convince him to go against his orders twice. Uh, But even going back to the Umbara arc, when Fives is a notable wild card, but he's like, yeah, you know, there's orders and there's orders, you know, like you can't, you have to use your own judgment to solve problems because otherwise you're just a droid. That's what Fives stands for. And the fact that he is the one sitting here with Tup as Tup dies and understands that that mission that whatever's going on in Tup's head might be going on in a lot of people's heads. I think that's what he's realizing. Yeah, it is scary. I do love and appreciate that it was Tup who was the one to break in this episode mm-hmm. because it brings us back emotionally to the Umbara arc. Yeah. That's when we met Tup. That's when we established the relationship between Tup and Fives. Mm-hmm. And it's such a clever move because the prevailing theme from the Umbara arc is betrayal. From the inside. Yeah. And it was such a smart way to say, you thought the Jedi Order was corruptible and able to be infiltrated and sabotaged in the Umbara arc. Now times that by a hundred in this arc. And the previous arc, the Jedi Temple bombing arc. Totally. So the Jedi Order is being assaulted from within and without. Even though it's winning all the battles, it's losing the war. The war is being won, but not by the Jedi Order. And it's so recognizable because the clones are having problems. The Jedi are having problems. Anakin's having problems. Anakin's having problems. The Jedi Order can't protect its own members, and they can't get a hold of like one little thing to look at it using the force. They even Shakti is unable to be like, no, I'm I'm declaring that this is my thing. Shakti played it really loose with asserting her authority. I want to definitely talk about Shakti a little later. Yeah. What I I just had like a brain blast. I think what I loved about the conceit of this episode was that it's about something inside of your flesh that you can't control that is turning against you to turn you into a weapon. Mm -hmm. And I think that's such a beautiful way to take this big story about the Jedi being infiltrated from within and sabotaged from within and making it small and giving it an emotional connection of putting something inside of your body, right? So there's something inside of the Jedi Order that is infiltrating and sabotaging them. And there's something inside of the clones' bodies that's doing the same thing, right? It's like... The Russian doll. Yeah, because the clones also say he can't have a tumor there, which is like, of course, we're clones. We're set up to never get cancer. We're incorruptible. And our thoughts are incorruptible until they aren't. Yeah. And if he has one, then the rest of us have one because we're the same. Yeah. 
A lot of weight on the clones there, and I feel like Fives is really taking it on the chin right now. Yeah. So one thing that bothered me about this episode enough that I made a point of it was that I don't know why Palpatine asked Dooku to tell Trench to grab Tup, because Palpatine could have just been like, oh yeah, well, make sure that they get sent back to Coruscant, and then I'll take them there, because I control Coruscant. Like, we can we can work the team. It's it's as if he wanted to escalate the situation more, or to have more control over it, or to make sure that there were no loose ends. You mean in having, in having Trench start the chain of reaction that sent Tup yeah. to Kamino? Yeah, because otherwise... Tup would have gotten to Camino, and then no one would have been suspicious, right? They'd be like, oh yeah, something's definitely wrong. Why don't you send it to the Republic Medical Facility on Coruscant to study? And then Palpatine's got it. So it's strange that Palpatine got the Separatists involved because it twigs everyone else's radar that something is wrong. Now Anakin's like, something's wrong. And Rex is like, something's wrong. And Fives is tied up in the mix. He's like, something's wrong and I'm here. So... Palpatine made a mistake. He could, he he was impatient, but also when Darth Tyrannus calls up Darth Sidious, you can tell that Palpatine Sidious is angry because he's like, "I was given a three-year warranty on these clones before they went off. We need to like." I need so many people to answer to me right now. I need now. so many heads. To and, roll. and Dooku's Dooku's like, I agree one hundred percent. Also, there is no way you can pin this on me. This is not my fault, <laughs> even a little. Your clones, your problem. But it is actually Dooku's thing because he, apparently him and sifo are the ones who put together the whole clone thing. So did we get an answer where Palpatine wanted Dooku to send Tup? I think he just wanted Dooku to seize Tup. Yeah, so that there was no further study. Well, so that they could figure out what was going on so they could dissect him. Yeah. So we don't actually know. I mean, I would assume that Palpatine would want Tup sent to the Republic Medical Facility. So mm-hmm. I guess we just don't know. My my thinking is that Palpatine is able to correct any of his mistakes yeah. because he has so many people in his pocket, whether Gosh. or not they know it. Yeah. Like we found out the the Kaminoans were in on this all along. They've always been shady, though. I mean, my spidey sense tingled first when Shakti called Lamasu the original engineer of the clones. Mm-hmm. And then she was just being very shady. More than that, from the get-go, the idea of, oh, by the way, you needed an army. Fortunately, someone made one for you 10 years ago, and they're ready right now is so strange. Well, but we have talked be- in recent weeks because of season five of the clone wars about the arrogance of the jedi yeah so it doesn't surprise me at all that in attack of the clones obi-wan unveils this plan that a wise knowledgeable far-seeing jedi master had a prophecy a premonition and followed up with it because he ostensibly thought he was doing a really good thing for the jedi like that sounds like something they would believe it does. It's too good to be true. And that's that's the problem. I'm not a naturally suspicious person. So I was I like, know. oh my gosh, how amazing how, that Sifo Dias had this premonition. How fortunate. This is so great. The Jedi are amazing. Like how cool that they have this 
you know, pre-knowledge of global events, galactic See, events. I'm, I'm more Hondo Anaka. I don't, okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't look the gift horse in the mouth. I have horse for dinner because I don't want to deal with someone else's mentoring candidate problem. Like that's just too much going on. It's in a, in a galaxy full of these competing forces. Although in the Jedi Council's defense, that army showed up like basically before the Clone Wars, right? Yeah. It was so, amazing timing. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, a gift horse is so pretty. I'm going to put ribbons in the mane and the tail. And oh no, the gift horse is eating me. Oh no, it infiltrated my city. See, I have I have Greek <laughs> ancestors, so I'm used, to, I'm used to sneaky horses. Okay, well, I have French ancestry and we all know how the French have done in the wars. <laughs> oh, pretty well. So we have talked a lot on this podcast about neutrality. Mm. It's one of our recurring themes. Let's talk about the Kaminoan version of neutrality. It's, and is it neutrality? Okay. So the Kaminoans, they have been attacked by separatists. So at a military level, they are not neutral. They are at least are a staunch Republic ally. Shakti is there to help defend them. They have clones there, although the clones have perhaps Kaminoan markings on them. I mean, it would make sense if I was in charge of Camino to be like, hey, these clone troopers, just keep like an extra 50,000 around for base security. That'd be great. But what was really happening was a DRM crisis. What's a DRM? Digital rights management. <laughs> I was going to say it's an intellectual property Yeah, argument. it is. Yeah, 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 or I guess yeah. in this case, DNA rights management. Because that argument between Shakti and Nalase mm -hmm. in Tup's room, Nalase makes it an intellectual property argument. She says the clones are the property of the Kaminoan government. And Shakti said, well, the Jedi and the Republic commissioned the clones. We're your client. Yeah. We get to make decisions on behalf of the property that we commissioned from you. And they did not resolve that. They did not. And it was fascinating. Yeah. Uh, which goes back to actually the previous arc where if if there's one thing that the Star Wars universe actually needs more of, it's probably lawyers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and fine print. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and contracts. You know, I've I've talked a little bit about how the Star Wars universe has such a wildly differing tech level where like healthcare is hit or miss, uh weapons are super high up to a point ai apparently like as soon as you make something more complicated than a toaster it becomes intelligent Sentient. yeah but apparently they listened to shakespeare and killed all their lawyers because there's no lawyers and they really need some to like hammer out these disputes no on who legal advice was found things. on that yeah. day in the galaxy because tup should have had a living will you know yeah so the kaminoans we find out took the commission from the Republic, mm -hmm. but also took a secret side commission from Lord Tyrannus. Well, here's what I think happened. Okay. So 10 years ago, like roughly during the events of Phantom Menace. So as- Well, so 13 years ago? Yeah, whatever. Okay. So Anakin Skywalker's winning the Padres. Jabba the Hutt is Jabba the Hutting. And <laughs> Sifo-Dyas and maybe Jedi Master Dooku- Oh. are out and about doing Jedi things. And for one reason or another, they decide to put take out an absolutely enormous loan because it's bankrupting the Republic to have a clone army. And apparently the Jedi are able to afford at least the first batch and grow some clones using Jango Fett. 
Yes. And Jango Fett apparently has a beautiful sinecure related to this. He's got like a salary for life up until he loses it. It's a haircut. <laughs> but the and he is either attached to Dooku like as a bodyguard or working for Dooku or protecting the clone investment. But they make this plan to say, okay, we want clones. The clones will always listen to the Jedi. But we need to obviously have a breakdown in that so that they will actually be able to break that programming. So put this little chip in. So like if a Pong Krell situation happens. Yeah. Then you could be like execute order 66 and all the clones will kill Pong Krell. That is fascinating that we got the Umbara arc first to see an example where you maybe would want to kill a rogue Jedi. Well, you know, what's really fascinating about that is it doesn't make any sense because they were able to take down Pong Krell anyway. Like without yeah. any special orders. It's it was not like it- fives and Tup. Tup, I believe, was the one who had the idea in yeah. the second half of the Umbara arc to lure Pong Krell into the Umbaran fl- Venus flytrap yeah. and then shot him in the face with a stun gun. So they're able to take out Jedi. Now, another foreshadowing for this is actually in the Geonosis arc, the second battle of Geonosis arc, during the Brain Invaders, because the brain worms are infesting the clones and the clones say if there's one thing we know how to do it's how to kill jedi oh my god i forgot about that it's been so cleverly seated and that Mm -hmm. is the beauty of filling in the gaps between movies i wonder if the brain worm went in and ate those inhibitor chips that would be cool that'd be nice so the kaminoans are they now loyal to the dark side or are they just opportunistic they are in it for the dollar dollar bills yo yeah i think i think yes i think dollar dollar bills i also think they feel superior to the jedi because lama sue mm-hmm. and nala say have that fascinating little salty banter where they're like the jedi are too spiritual for my taste the, they call them the jedi cults yes and I think they're like, we are more logical, more rational, more scientific. So I don't know how canon this is, but in Legends, the Kaminoans are ruthless eugenicists. Okay, I wasn't going to break out the word eugenics, but since you did it for me. <laughs> so apparently their planet was undergoing catastrophic climate change it was like a normal planet before it became a water planet they kept building taller and taller cities to be above the water (laughs) and in order to keep their population level they practiced ruthless eugenics which is why they have like such (laughs) non-evolutionarily advantageous yeah Yeah, they've got giraffe necks big big, long neck doesn't make (laughs) a lot of sense uh the tiny little head and a skinny little body they and they would have chosen all sorts of things, but being a, a ruthless eugenicist like that it is a common trope in, in fiction. And when you do it, you almost always, as the foil, remove the ability to see the individual because mm-hmm. people can't, of course, grow beyond their genetics. But they're like, all of the secrets of creation can be found in the flesh and we can manipulate them. And mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Huh. So that would explain why they think they're so much better than anyone else. And also they're like, hey, we have this cool original contract with Tyrannus and Sifo-Dyas and rip Sifo-Dyas, but Tyrannus still pays us. So everything's great. I guess we have seen so many different forms of neutrality, and I don't think this is it. I don't think 
ruthless opportunism is the same as neutrality. It's just playing both sides. So recall at the beginning of the Jedi Temple bombing arc, the previous arc, that they were defending Cata Nemoidia, which is the home of the Nemodians and the home of the Trade Federation, which although the Trade Federation uses battle droids and Lucre Hulk class ships is not part of the Separatists. So who is the Republic actually fighting at some point? They're fighting functionally a civil war. Right against all these factions of moneyed interests, it always seems yeah, like the money's yeah. on one side, and then the old aristocracy yeah. is on the other. So what we're really experiencing is a revolution in the sense of the end of feudalism. Oh, I love that Star Wars is so deeply situated in mythology. And that there is so much feudalism in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. Well, that's also taken from Dune because that is a huge, I mean, Frank Herbert went into a huge effort to say, here is how the Dune universe works. And it's basically feudal, Mm -hmm. which kind of makes sense when you have a vastly different scope of power between the highest people and the lowest people. Last thing I want to talk about. I feel like you know where this is going. Not yet. Shakti. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I might surprise you, Sam. I was not as overjoyed to see Shakti in this arc as I thought I would be. You were asking about her. You're like, when do we see Shakti next? I mean, every day I'm like, I'm once again asking for more Shakti content. And then here she is, and she, she folds like a chair. Yeah, thank you for saying that. Okay, so... Back in the beginning of the Clone Wars, chronologically, mm-hmm. we started with Cat and Mouse. So we met Admiral Trench first thing. He was our first Clone Wars villain. I was not hallucinating. We did see his ship blow up yeah. in Cat and Mouse. Yeah. This is apparently his thing. He pretends to be dead and then comes back. That's Trench what Admiral Yuvarn was saying. Again. Yeah. Anyway, back in ye old days of the Clone Wars, we hadn't met any female Jedi. Mm-hmm. We met Asajj. She's a Sith. Yeah. No female Jedi. And Shakti pops up out of nowhere. And she's beautiful and wise and serene and compassionate, but not an enabler. And she's just this platonic ideal of a Jedi. Mm -hmm. But after season five, I am so jaded. I'm like, Shakti is out of touch. Well, what's funny about that, Shakti is out of touch because she's been on Camino this whole time, right? She's been overseeing the training of the clones. And so she actually isn't deeply involved with what the council is doing. And she's not deeply involved with the war. So on its nose, that should be a good thing. Should be. It should mean that she's more in touch with the clones and with them as individuals and Mm -hmm. more distant from the corruption that is happening in the Jedi Council. But there's this moment when Nala Say and Shakti are starting the surgeries on Tup and Fives is freaking out and without even blinking, she blanks out the view screen so that Fives can't see. Yeah. And I was like, that is so 
arrogant and so superior. That is just like the Jedi know best. You don't get to see your best friend. Like you need to remain calm. It was just this moment of like. It was maternalistic. Kind of. And she she might have recognized. I mean, she did recognize fives and she might have recognized them in. She's like, I don't care that you're a hotshot arc trooper now who Anakin Skywalker sends to be in charge of things. Because at the beginning, uh, very, very beginning of this arc, Tipley and Tiplar are like, uh, their guy, Doom is his name. He's dressed up like the Doom guy. He's green and cool. He's <laughs> like, hey, we're severely depleted. And Anakin's like, take fives, take top and 10 other dudes. And you'll be good. You'll be good. Take yeah. fives. Fives and 10 other dudes. I mean, there's that beautiful moment when Rex and fives and Anakin are sneaking on to the frigate to mm-hmm. steal top back. And, you know, top has the idea of like suction hooking onto the hole. And they're like, well, that's why fives is the arc trooper. Because yeah, that's a very funny scene because Anakin is like, there's only like a hundred droids in there. <laughs> And Rex is like, there's at least 100 droids and starfighters. And Five's like, let's just use our suction hooks. Like, we know, Anakin, you'll survive, but we won't. So we'll just we'll just be sneaky. And Anakin's like, that is a better idea. That is such a better but idea. anyway, when Shakti sees Fives, does she see him as hotshot 501st arc trooper Fives? Or does she see him as CT5555? Oh, like he was frozen in development. Yeah. Huh. Because they've become her kids. Mm, interesting. And in that same scene, when Tup is spasming on the table and she blanks the screen, it would be something you would do to protect someone. I mean, it's such a classic film trope. It's like anytime you've got a surgery scene, whoever's whoever's the loved one watching from behind the glass, they're like freaking out. Mm -hmm. And the orderlies always pull the shades down so they can't see. And it's this like trope to remind you how powerless you are against meatbag foibles. Meatbag foibles strike again. I mean, also, I feel like it's useful for the doctors in the operating theater to not have people banging on the glass walls. Yeah, I just, I don't, I don't love it. It always reads as very superior to me. That is the vibe that Shakti was giving off. And, and it didn't and look good on her. She gets better. She's always listening. She's listening to fives. She's, because unfortunately we've got three different plans at the end for what's going to happen with this chip. Uh, Nalase is going to destroy it. Shakti is going to send it to the Jedi Council for inspection of the Force. And Fives is going to be like, I have the sample. I need to bring it places. I need to protect it. I need to bring it to Shakti. He's like, I have evidence. And like, there's so much obfuscation of what is actually going on. And no one's communicating the full information. And it's because there's someone actively in the room saying, that isn't relevant. This is relevant. I'm overriding you. Well, Nala Say is gaslighting everyone she because is, she is. doesn't want the the ploy to be revealed. And according to Tyrannus, she thinks that this actually helps the Jedi. Maybe. Because Tyrannus is masquerading as a Jedi. Well... Not very well. But. Not very well. Not very well. That Zoom filter is pretty serious business. I. It's an. It's just. It's a refrain of how our perfect knowledge make the Jedi seem so bumbling and ineffective. Yeah. That even for all of Shakti's compassion and wisdom and knowledge and insight, she's still not effective because Fives had the inhibitor chip in his hand. Mm-hmm. 
he and AZ could have saved the Jedi Order, and she lets it get into Chancellor Palpatine's veiny little fingers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although, perhaps that's why Shakti got this backwards posting, because she's kind of a wet noodle. You know, they just wanted someone who would listen to and rubber stamp everyone. Maybe. I think I prefer your theory that she is compassionate and maternal. And Mm -hmm. they said, we're dealing with human beings and individuals. We need a compassionate Jedi master overseeing them. I, I like that read a little better. The other thing is that she doesn't mistrust Palpatine because she hasn't been close to him. Yes. The only person who actually seems to be even vaguely mistrusting Palpatine is Kenobi. Yes. So. Points for Obi-Wan. Yeah. I just want to do the the briefest of shout outs for AZ, the Metroid, because we get this fascinating little droid tidbit where he's talking with fives and he's like, I always wanted to have human feelings. But I don't. Bye. It <laughs> just zooms out into the hallway. <laughs> he is definitely the comic relief. Also, as a foil to remind us of the clones' individuality and their own intellectual rigor. Mm, that debate yeah. he's having with five fives is the um the entirety. It's it's a wrap-up of here is all the work we've done so far in establishing how unique and individualistic each clone is. Yes. God, I love that. I hope nothing but good things happen to AZ. I hope he doesn't make it onto the decommission list. That would be a real bummer. He's a gem among droids. He's got a real long number. (laughs) Good for him. I like that. Wow, that's the first half of the conspiracy arc. Wow, so much ground to cover. Yeah. It was great. I loved it. But we got to know who's making this week's Baywatch. Is it time for Baywatch? Baywatch. It's time for Baywatch. 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 Sam, who's your bay? Um, Fives. Duh. Duh, fives. Tell me why. (laughs) Okay. There is a moment. I screenshot it and sent it to you when Rex and fives are get to Camino and are dropping off top and they get their orders. The orders are fives. You can stay. You are the control sample, basically, because whatever top was exposed to, you're probably exposed to, too, Mm because you guys have been in the same theaters of combat for a long time. Rex, Anakin needs you. Rex, Rex, go home. Rex, go home. Rex. Puts his arm on Fives, puts his helmet on, and says, take care of yourself. And I teared up. Aww. I really did. Because that type of, like, my right arm on your right arm, your right arm on my right arm thing Aww. as a, a gesture of brotherly trust and love is so important and so meaningful. The relationship that Rex has with Fives has always been one of just... Really interesting mutual respect because Rex is always saying we got to do it by the book because Rex is a clone commander. He's the quintessential soldier. Rex is everyone except for Anakin's boss in the 501st. And Fives is the other dude. He's 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 the fun uncle. He's like the special attache. Yeah. He's got his own little spot in the org chart, which is Fives, (laughs) professional problem solver. (laughs) 
And I love that. Oh my God. Because that is, you know, how I would like to be in my life. It's such a cool thing to not be pigeonholed and just be like, I can solve these cool problems myself. You would be such a great fives. Yeah. You, if you were in the Grand Army of the Republic, you would be fives. I, I feel that, that. I love that for you. Because I'm the type of person who's like, we could kill all those guys. Or we can use grappling hooks. Because I haven't gotten <laughs> used my grappling hook in two days, guys. <laughs> oh my god, amazing. So that's that's the type of thing that makes fives such a cool character. And it makes him so unique that he operates at this higher level of passion and integrity than even clones who operate from a paragon of integrity, such as Rex. Oh my god, Fives has the special sauce. Mm-hmm. He got his way into a medical droid's logic. Yeah. And logic puzzled him into doing what he wanted. And because he has such integrity, it was for the good. Mm-hmm. But it was so cool for him to be like, you've never heard of the Hippocratic Oath. Like, I have figured that out and I'm going to get you to do what I want. I'm going to save my best friend. He did this all for friendship. He did this all for friendship. He did this all because it was the right thing. And he did it in a a way that's really putting himself at risk. And he is just completely above that. He, He is completely unfazed by any sense of risk. Yeah. We, I think, neglected to mention that Fives is probably under arrest at the end of this episode. Almost certainly, yeah. Yeah. He's in real trouble. And he does not seem bothered by that. He is much more upset that his best friend died in his arms. Well, Fives has got that meme, you know, of him sitting there with a noose around his neck, turning to the guy next to him like, first time? Because he's been on the execution <laughs> block before. Oh my god, you're right. Pong it all comes back to Umbara. Oh, you know, it really does. Because... Wow. Like, if that's your excuse, what do we do when a rogue Jedi attempts to take over the clones? He's uh, like, I know what to do. Yeah, the clones will solve this problem. No worries. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to exploring more about Sifo-Dyas, more about Fives, and seeing where this all plays out. It's been a long time since I watched this season. So this is all like, oh, yeah, that. Oh, yeah, that. That's exciting. I love that. Yeah. My bay is also fives. Makes Duh. Sense. I do want to give an honorary mention to Tiplar, who mm-hmm. is the Jedi that Top killed, because, and I will tell you why, in the moments we got to see her, she was extremely effective as a commander of her clone troopers. Mm-hmm. She had the absolute loyalty of her troops. There was that amazing moment at the very start of the unknown when they're trying to storm the communication center. Mm -hmm. And she's like, tighten our flank, shields up. And the clones hop to it. And those were exactly the right orders. It was such a cool scene. So they're carrying these huge riot shields, big steel doors that are laser proof, which is very cool. And a bunch of destroyer droids show up. Shields up. So they're hiding behind their shields. They're hiding in a shield wall. Tipli and Tiplar lift up. Yeah, the droidicas. The the clones roll grenades underneath The droid poppers. Well, yeah. And this way you don't actually need to get the right speed, as we learned in the Andron arc, because then they just drop the droids on top of them. And the droids will go the right speed and pop. Oh, my God. It was amazing. I was like, yeah. And you can just imagine that they're like, we just practice this. Like every time it's destroyers, we do this. And the fact that Tipli and Tiplar's soldiers are carrying those shields means that they're probably deployed for this kind of thing. Yeah. I just loved that she was giving the right orders at the right time, at the right cadence, and they were being followed. Mm-hmm. And she was fearless and beautiful 
And I don't want it to go unsaid. I want it on the record that once again, the Clone Wars killed a female Jedi Mm. for emotional impact. Mm -hmm. This is what the Clone Wars does. They kill incredibly cool female characters as a cognitive shortcut to show how devastating war is. So Adi Galia, Stila Guerrera, Duchess Satine, all of the Night Sisters, the daughter. Yeah. It is no longer a coincidence. It is a pattern. And I just want to put it out there that I have noticed it and I have twigged onto it. And I'm I'm watching you, Dave Filoni. This is BS. <laughs> you know, when we first met Fives in the Clone Wars arc, we are also, when we did our podcast, we were also doing the, um, oh gosh, Supply Lines episode, right? We did Clone Cadets and Supply Lines. Yes. And in Supply Lines, Jedi General... Emma Gunn die dies <laughs> yeah. valiantly. Yeah. And I remarked to you that you cried so much more over a bunch of clones about to fail their high school graduation than a Jedi actually dying in the line of combat to it's save a planet. It's in his name. Emma Gunn died. You didn't catch that. I did not, but now I think it is the funniest thing I've ever heard. But I think perhaps we as a society have become so desensitized to watching a heroic male die that the only thing left is to watch a heroic female die. And Mm. unfortunately, maybe we'll move on to the point where either we're so desensitized we need to watch, I don't know. Puppies. Well, that's John Wick right there. Or, yeah, right? Yep. Like, that's the most jarring death in the whole John Wick franchise. So, (laughs) So really... Really, this isn't Dave Filoni's fault. It's our fault. This is our fault. For I being accept so, that. We are all, well. We're all culpable. If if we had cried when I'm a good die died, <laughs> then Dave Filoni would be killing male Jedi. But we didn't. But we didn't. We thought it was a joke. This is all my fault. This is all I'm a good die's fault. Oh, man. <laughs> Freaking guy can't do anything right. Oh, not even in death. Not even in death. Well, hooray for fives. Mm-hmm. I love him. He is the best. Special mention to fours and sixes. Uh, Those ones too. Mostly fives. Well, that was the start of season six of The Clone Wars, Sam. We are going so fast. We've got five more podcast episodes of season six, and then we're on season seven. Oh my gosh, how exciting. It's really exciting for me because I have been chomping at the bit for Rebels for so long. Well, we're a little far away from Rebels still, but we are rocketing through The Clone Wars. Next week, we're covering season six, episodes three and four, Fugitive, da-da-da, and Orders. Da da da. <laughs> I don't like either of these titles at all. Yeah, that'll be the conspiracy arc, and then we've we're getting there. So there's a lot of cool stuff ahead. And as always, you can find us on social media at Growing Up Skywalker, wherever you get your social media. And you can find our podcast and recommend it to people as Growing Up Skywalker, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want more Skywalker, you can become one of our patrons. We release bonus content on Patreon every Thursday. Memberships start at $3 a month, which isn't too shabby. A uh, special shout out to Count Dushku and Ben, two of our patrons who we visited in person over the last week and got to say hi to. So delightful. So fun. If you become one of our patrons, 
We may or may not be able to see you in person, but we will certainly try. Depends on where you are. <laughs> and send this episode to someone who is a really, really good friend. Oh, yeah. So if you don't get this episode, become a better friend. <laughs> That's all we ask. <laughs> and we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye-bye.